I think we have to open this episode talking about the fly. Uh, Painter, for those who aren't on Twitter, I know we have some listeners and some readers who aren't on Twitter, which I think on days like yesterday probably is good for their sanity. Um, You said that you were not watching and you were trying to contain a fly in your apartment. Um, How did that go and how long uh, were you in battle? Uh, it was one of those things that's been going on for some time. I noticed that fly the other day. It has somehow managed to escape me for a number of days, and it was just the right reason to not pay attention to a lot of that game. So how so? How long were you out with with on fly duty? I had the game running on my laptop throughout its existence uh but i was only checking in every so often so it wasn't like i like fully tuned out but i wasn't watching every play probably until later in the fourth quarter Mm, wow um so you, you ended up seeing the the most important part of the game the ending um did you take care of the fly is the fly uh, has the has the fly been compromised to a permanent end? He's still out there. I'm keeping him on the back burner. Oh wow! I'm keeping him just in case we get into an issue next next Saturday. He gets to be the new family pet. <laughs> next Saturday, when you're watching Auburn and LSU play at like dawn, uh, because of how unreal late that game is. Um, well, I I'm. I guess I'm glad that you were able to pick up on the ending, and I guess you got a lot of it, what happened during the game through osmosis. Um, and but, I was uh, watching throughout each quarter, but I okay. would step away uh, when things were not great, which was a lot. So I think the MVP of yesterday, at least for your sanity, had to have been uh, had to have been the fly, right? Big time helper. Big time helper with my sanity. It's the Auburn Observer Podcast, the weekend edition, the recap edition. Justin Ferguson right here in Auburn. Painter Sharpless over there in Parts Unknown. Hello, Painter. Hello. So, uh, I don't think anybody was expecting the (laughs) game that Auburn had yesterday and uh, the podcast that we are going to have to have today. Uh, Auburn 34, Georgia State 24, and friends and family... That scoreline does not indicate what that game looked like for the vast majority of the time uh, that was played. Auburn scoring 22 unanswered in the second half to avoid an absolute unreal disaster in losing to a Georgia State team uh, that was 1-2 and and had gotten flattened the first two weeks of the season uh, beat a all right Charlotte team in week three 
But Auburn, is as, as a ranked team, uh, they needed the final drive of the game. They needed to go 98 yards to take the lead on Georgia State, which they did in the final minute. And then they got a pick six to seal it and make the scoreline look a little better. But Auburn got the win. We will talk about all the benefits and the positives of actually winning this game. But... Winning this game does not take away how you got in this position and what happened for most of the game on Saturday. And the more I think about this game and the more I look back at this game, how does an Auburn team go from not playing an outstanding football game at Penn State but doing enough to have a chance to win away from home against a team that is in the top 10 to nearly losing to a not great team that you were favored by multiple touchdowns for. And the only real explanation I have for that, how, how that happens is and I think this the way the game went also bears this out. And Brian Harson kind of mentioned this a couple of times. Um, this Auburn team did not look ready, prepared, uh, energized for most of this game, especially in the first half. And it almost cost them big. And that is. You know, depending on your perspective, that's either an issue that can be fixed and an issue that can be overcome in the next few weeks, or it is a sign that this team has got a lot of issues heading into SEC play. And I think, I think honestly, I think the truth is somewhere in the middle. I'm glad you feel that way because I don't. Okay, what do you, what do you what do you feel like? You don't feel like the team wasn't prepared. Oh, no, I'm glad you feel like it's somewhere in the middle. Right. Okay, go for it. Uh, I I think this is going to be a long season after all my sunshine pumping the first couple of weeks of the season. And I don't think I was that egregious with it, but, you know, no. I, I joked about the the win over Penn State, convincing myself of that, and, you know, I joked about going 5-0 and with a game over LSU. And they, they may still beat LSU, LSU – took care of business against Mississippi State, but Mississippi State's terrible, so LSU should beat them. It's probably going to be a long one. It's probably going to be a long one. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where I, the game itself, you know, I, I am struggling to find how a team – okay, like here's a good example, the offensive line. I thought Auburn's offensive line had a solid game against Penn State. Um you know, they ran the ball decently well against a tough front. They didn't give up a ton of pressure. You know, it was a solid game. Um, yet against Georgia State, they couldn't like, – like Tank Bigsby was bottled up. Uh, there was a decent amount of pressure on the quarterbacks throughout the day. And it's like, okay, well, how does that happen? You know, how do you go from playing pretty well? Like, it, just look at the paycheck games alone for Auburn – so far this season, you know, the, the, the three games they played, they played a nearly perfect game in week one, week two, they got off to a slow start, but then put them away. 
And then week three, it was like they never got out of first gear. And yeah, I don't, I mean, that, that it's, it, it is kind of, it is kind of baffling to me. And it, it's, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a lack of talent. I don't think you can blame it all on first year stuff, but I, it's, it's, it's one of those things where I just think this, this football team has a long way to go. And yesterday against Georgia state, they played like, you know, they, they played like, uh, that they thought this game was going to be very well in hand and, and it never was. And it never was And Georgia state, uh, outplayed them and out executed them, uh, for most of the 60 minutes on, on Saturday. It was nice to get that call too. Yeah. Okay. So I, I forgot to mention that in the in the observations on Sunday morning, but I whoa, guess for a paycheck was... game, you know, that throw you a bone every now and again, huh? I I the stadium already had reacted like, oh, this is going to be overturned, and then you got it, and even after getting it, they had to come down to a fourth down play, a busted play, uh, to make it work, and like that is. That's alarming. That's an alarming spot to be in. And so which Auburn team is the real one, right? Is it the one that played close with Penn State? Is it the one that blew out the first two teams they played? Or is it the one that was very, very, very fortunate not to lose to Georgia State? And it's like, I honestly think it's somewhere in the middle, but I think it's going to bear it out in, in different ways moving forward. Like you said, they could they could beat LSU next week. Um, uh, one game does not determine everyone's fate moving forward, right? This is college football. This is a game of small sample sizes. This is game played from by eighteen to twenty-two year olds. You know, there was a lot of ranked teams that messed around with teams they were a lot better than. Shout out to Clemson, by the way. Love that for them. Well, and Clemson just straight up lost to to a decent NC State team. I would say, like, you know, Oregon. Had it was close in the second half with Arizona, and Arizona's horrible. They lost to an FCS team. Uh, Iowa was in a tight game with Colorado State, who got blown out by Vanderbilt. Or not blown out. They got beaten by Vanderbilt, and Vanderbilt got blown out by Georgia and lost to an FCS team. Like, and so there's a, there's a lot of that in there. One game doesn't define the season, but like this is another game. This is the second game in a row for Auburn where you come out of it thinking like, wow, everybody's got a lot of work to do. And in this one, I think it was kind of, I think it was the effort and the execution early on that really, really cost them big time. And that's why I think you have Brian Harson saying after the game, everybody's got to do better. I got to do a better job of leading. We got to do a better job of coaching. We got to do a better job of playing all the way around. You just got to get better, and so you're fortunate to come out of there with a with a win for sure. But, whew, I mean, this was this was as close to as a disaster as you can possibly get for Auburn. And I think the big thing moving forward is is that like that does getting that win late, right, and getting that touchdown late does not change the fact that you were in this spot. Um. And so, what what does that mean for Auburn moving forward? How do you how do you how do you recover, you know, from this? How do you make sure that this this uh, near loss doesn't cost you the rest of the season? Because, um, I was having a conversation with our friend Josh Black uh, on Saturday, 
It's hard to think about how many times Auburn's had a near ugly like loss like this against a team they shouldn't have had a bit, any business losing to. And then like right after that doing a lot better job. People want to point maybe to the Mercer game in 2017. That Mercer game was a product of a bunch of turnovers, right? You know, Auburn played an okay game execution-wise and, and up winning up and down the field against Mercer. They just turned the ball over a lot, all right? And and this game was very different. This game was Georgia State winning, winning at the line of scrimmage, too, for most of the 60 minutes. And how do you how do you respond from that? How do you bounce back from that? Um, other near losses like this in the past from Auburn, it's they have been hard to come back from, and this is a new staff. This is you know a new team, but that's the challenge. That's the challenge, and that and it it doesn't get any easier. The tune ups are over. This was it. This was it in terms of tuning up, and so the fact that Auburn's kind of gone backwards across these tune up games is really really something. Um, because you have to play LSU and then you play, you know, four or five straight games against four straight games against teams that are ranked and look like they're going to be really good football teams, including Arkansas and Ole Miss, uh, which we thought Ole Miss was going to be good coming into the season, but they look probably a little bit better than expected. And then Arkansas looks really good. I think maybe you get one against LSU, but again, believe it when I see it. You can enjoy maybe the Mississippi State and South Carolina games, but they play like that anymore. It's going to be a long season. Arkansas's good. Yeah. Arkansas's a good team. I am having to eat my words on that a little bit because I, you know, I don't think Texas A&M is an incredible team this year, but they've recruited well. Uh, SP Plus, as of yesterday, I think still projected them in the top 10. Um, so I, I thought there was a lot of credit that was undeserved given Arkansas's way after the Texas win, but I, I, that's a team right now that if they played today, they're beating Auburn. Uh, I don't know how Auburn's going to score enough points to beat Ole Miss. Uh, so maybe they can break the streak in Baton Rouge and gain a little momentum. But Harson's in a tough spot because he was never the guy that the, the normal power players wanted to hire. Um, and I don't see how this team is going to get better in year two, given a lot of the departures. So what's left of this season is important for him. Trying, yeah. trying to get back to, you know, you referenced some of those bad losses or near losses, I should say, like the 2011 Utah State game. What did Auburn mm-hmm. end up winning eight games that year? Yeah. Um, 2015, the scare with Jacksonville State. I think Auburn went, what, seven and five? And at mm-hmm. this point, given what's left on the schedule with teams like Arkansas and Ole Miss being better than probably what we're used to seven and five might be pretty fortunate. Yeah. I mean, if you play like you did last yesterday, you're going to be fortunate enough to win another sec game. Uh, but the thing is, is, is Auburn is capable of playing a lot better than that because they've already shown that this season, right? It's, it's not like, you know, that's what makes this game so odd. I think in, in my mind is it's like, this isn't like no one expected this, right? This is this was not a situation where it was like, oh yeah, well Auburn, Auburn's you know even coming off that Penn State game. I mean, they played better in the Penn State game, and in the stuff that they can control, something that Brian Harson likes to talk about a lot. Like they were better against Penn State than they were against Georgia State. So it makes me wonder how much of this was early energy preparation, you know, execution, and that comes down to that's that's an that's an everybody problem, right? That's an everybody problem. And we can talk about how the defense shifted in the second half. 
getting Jacoby McClain back out there. Um, Probably my favorite with, thing of the weekend was them having, was it Shaw on game day to talk yeah. about that being the incorrect call. And it's like, okay. And nothing well, happens. seven days in between Saturday and Saturday. So if you're going to make the wrong call in the game and penalize a team in the moment for a bad call, I guess whatever. But right, we're yeah. just not yeah. going to correct things, go on national TV and be like, this isn't right. Right, yeah. It, it's 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 like the two-minute report in the NBA or stuff like, oh, yeah, we made the wrong call there. Like, yeah, there's something like that for transparency. You know? But, like, if nothing comes from it, the rule change, the, the rule doesn't change. The 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 punishment doesn't change. Okay. Thanks guys. Thanks for, thanks for, uh, thanks for letting us, letting us know. And, and so we'll talk about the defense, uh, here, obviously at, at some point at length here in this podcast, but it's just, yeah, I mean, that defense looked like the, I mean, they got pushed around. They were playing with, with low energy in the first half and the second half, they played like their hair was on fire and that can't just be Zacoby McLean, got back right I think he made a big deal in making sure that Auburn didn't give up a ton of big runs after that I think his run I mean he's such a good linebacker and really good at run fits and tackling that it does help um it helps that Chandler Wooten was playing next to him instead of playing next to Wesley Steiner and look this is not a podcast where we're going to sit here and criticize you know college players especially younger especially young ones uh very much but or at all, I, I hate doing that. You know, Wesley Steiner was in a tough spot in a game where, you know, he hasn't had a ton of run. And, you know, Auburn's linebacking, linebackers and their run stopping was rough with him out there compared to ha- having Zuko McLean out there. And Chandler Wooten said after the game, you know, hey, he was proud of, of Wesley for stepping up. He's a dude that's very hard on himself and the mistakes that he made, and he's got a lot to clean up. Um but it can't just be one dude coming back, right? One dude coming back doesn't change the fact that, you know, Auburn's defensive line started playing a lot better, right? And I wonder – we'll get into it later, but I, I do wonder how much of what happened on Saturday is the, you know, the wake-up call, the kick in the butt, whatever, for the defense, or, you know, it's a sign that, that things are things are pretty rough. But we're going to go, you know, nearly 20 minutes in here without – pointing out the fact because this is a great podcast uh and we we definitely do our jobs well um hey tj finley is uh was the quarterback when auburn ended this game and and won and that is rather significant uh because bo Nix had been the guy for auburn and i had been saying you know for weeks i think as long as bo Nix was here unless something drastic happened you know, in terms of injury or a real drop off in play, he was going to be your starting quarterback. He was going to be Auburn's starting quarterback. And the drastic thing that happened was Auburn was going to lose to a Sun Belt team. And that was enough to force Brian Harson's hand. I think there should be credit given to Brian Harson and this and the staff because I don't know if the previous regime makes that call in that situation. Honestly, I don't. I mean, I think. First off, TJ wouldn't be here. They That's wouldn't true. have gone out and gotten a guy to challenge Bo. And then, yeah, they wouldn't have. You know, that previous staff was much more married to Bo. Something you have pointed out throughout the offseason is that 
the staff doesn't necessarily have to be loyal to Bo or, or doesn't necessarily feel any sort of pull. They didn't recruit him. They didn't make right. any promises to him. They just told him, hey, you, you can come in and, you know, retain your job if you're the best quarterback. And I guess he did that in the offseason. Yeah, and, and Nix had been the clear option that, okay, he is Auburn's best pick at quarterback to to lead this offense moving forward. There was the talk throughout, you know, fall camp. There was this point, you know, okay, there's a lot of hype here. And it's like, well, Bo's clearly, you know, ahead. And then th- the middle towards the back half of camp, it was like, well, TJ, the, the light's starting to come on for him. He's starting to figure it out. He's starting to get comfortable in this offense. And then it was like, okay, well, at this point, it's this close to the season. This is going to be this is going to be Bo Nix's job. Bo Nix has a good good game in week one, carries on from there. Um, but Auburn's offense couldn't finish drives. A lot of field goals from Anders Carlson in this game. Um, it's very inconsistent through the air, and. They, they didn't have anything going on offense, and so they needed a spark. They needed something to change it around. Uh, Harson said after the game, in his quote, he said, uh, uh, quote, we didn't, have a re- we didn't have a lot of things happening for us that were going our way in this game, and sometimes on offense, that's how it goes. Sometimes playing in that position, that's how it goes. Sometimes you need somebody to come in there and step up and just be able to have some fresh eyes out there and just go make some plays, and that's what happened in this game. Um, so TJ Finley comes into the game, uh, his first drive, uh, he was just one of two. It was kind of run heavy. It stalled out. Auburn misses a field goal. Tank Bigsby fumble or the next one is a three and out. He gets sacked on second down. Everyone, he goes two of four through the air. He makes a wild play to, to complete uh, a pass while almost getting tackled. Uh, going two of th- four in that drive, Bigsby fumbles in scoring territory. Another missed opportunity for Auburn. Like, okay, that was the point where they're going to take control of the game. Didn't happen. Georgia State hits a miracle punt down to the two yard line. Three twenty three remaining, down by five. Uh, Finley goes five of eight on the drive. Uh, gets a third and long at one point. Uh, gets the gets the fortunate call on the John Samuel Shanker uh, catch over the middle, and then uh, on third and goal. He has Kobe Hudson open in the end zone, and he misses him. Potential touchdown there. Then on fourth down, he avoids pressure, uh, spins away, and on a scramble drill, hits Shedrick Jackson in the end zone for a 10-yard touchdown. I want to point out the fact that Shedrick Jackson said after the game that the call, the original call, was a fade. Uh, here's the thing. Uh, the fade from the 10 is not a bad play. It's one-on-one coverage up top. Um Obviously, you know, didn't get open because of the pressure. A um, little different than the fate of the two, but uh, I thought that was <laughs> something that as soon as I heard it, I was like, oh boy, they are going to love this. <laughs> but they make the play. Shedrick Jackson, shout out to Shedrick Jackson, uh, had a rough last couple of weeks uh, in a number of ways. Has a decent game and, and catches the game winner, his first career touchdown. Uh, but Auburn pulls out the win. If you look at the drives between Finley and Knicks, 0.75 more yards per play and 0.28 more yards per passing attempt in those drives with Finley compared to Knicks. That is not huge, 
that is not this massive, like, well, I mean, obviously they were better on offense with them, like far and away better, which makes everything kind of interesting moving forward. And Finley had his fair share of misfires. I mean, you could say Bo Nix missed like three possible touchdowns throwing the ball in this game. Finley missed a couple as well. Now he got the one that mattered at the end at the last possible moment, but um, I mean, this is this is a this is a quarterback situation controversy battle whatever that I mean is going to dominate the headlines this next week, especially with the fact that Finley's going to LSU, his former team. But I don't think we know who's going to be the starting. I would be surprised if we know for a fact who the starting quarterback is going to be until that first drive on Saturday night in Baton Rouge. Uh, I mean, that's that seems to be Harson's mo. He was not interested in talking about you know what happens moving forward. And I, I mean, I get it. It's after the game. You're immediately after the game, and and there's a week of practice to come out. Sunday they're going to practice, and it's going to be the beginning. And I think they want to see how Nick's reacts, and I think they want to see how Finley reacts. I think they want to, you know, break down the film and say, okay, well, who gives us the best chance to win in Baton Rouge? Um, so we can all make predictions and we can all say, okay, this this has to happen, this has to happen. Uh, but the bottom line is, is that, you know, Bo Nix's grip on this job is no is no longer a grip, and now we're coming into SEC play, and it's only taken four weeks. I mean, three weeks after that game where he played exceptionally well against Akron, and it's like, all right, who's the quarterback for Auburn moving forward? They're still trying to figure stuff out on offense. I think you already hit it, but, yeah, there's two big questions at Loom. Who ends up being the starter, and at what point did they make that announcement? And I think no one has an idea of that. I don't think the coaching staff knows what they're going to do on Saturday right now. And there's certainly no strategic advantage to making that announcement until no. the game plays. So, just there is. I, I would I would expect no no heads up on that. And honestly, if you're the staff, why would you? Gives LSU a little bit more work to do. Right. And for you know for Auburn in this game, I thought Bo Nix. I mean, even in the Penn State game at times, you know, for the mo- for the most part even though the numbers weren't always great, it looked like he knew where he was going with the ball. He looked more decisive than we'd seen in the past. I mean, I had said that at the Penn State game, he had he had done a better job of handling pressure uh, away from home than he had had in his first two seasons as a quarterback at Auburn in games like that. This, you know, Nathan King pointed this out during the game on, on Saturday. This was the least decisive we've seen Knicks all season. And it was against a Georgia State team that had, like, the third or fourth worst pass defense in the country heading into this game, right? It was one that Army threw the ball well against, and it was one that Sam Howell ripped in half uh, in a bounce-back game in week two for North Carolina. By the way, North Carolina got blown out by Georgia Tech. Um, that that turned heavily uh, in, in, in Chapel Hill this Are year. Are we looking it's, at it's some 2007-type vibes? Perhaps. Perhaps. Um, I think Georgia and I mean, Alabama's like Alabama's getting dinged for the fact they didn't blow. It's because they have set their standard absurdly high. I saw someone say that Alabama wasn't elite recently. And it's like, maybe not, maybe because they broke most of the records in offense. It's also a made up term. Yeah. What is that standard? 
first off, and also like when they win the national title, we can revisit that conversation. Right. I think Georgia's played the best football of anybody. But so that Clemson season. win doesn't mean so much, does it? Right. Exactly. Now, they hung 35 points on Vanderbilt in like 10 minutes of game time. Uh, yeah. Like Vanderbilt is terrible, but that's still impressive. Uh, that Georgia is, you know, I honestly just want to see those two teams play in the national title, I guess. Uh, the, the, where was I at here? Oh, um, Bo is indecisive. Yeah. Yeah. Bo is indecisive and, and, you know, was dropping his eyes a little bit more. It looked like, um, a little bit more gun shy, not as, not as decisive, uh, with it. His accuracy was off. He would ha- he would, he would make, I mean, the thing with, with Bo is he, he would make a throw, a good throw. Then you have a couple one that, a couple ones in a row that weren't so good, and he would misfire. He he would sail high on passes, uh, you know, some shots downfield. Auburn was trying to get things going. It just it just wasn't clicking. And this was a game where you know Auburn went ahead and said, you know, it's not it with him. They're going to move on and 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 try Finley out. And I said this Saturday night. And I wanted to get your thoughts on this, Painter, as as the fan perspective. I think Bo Nix, not to get too metaphorical, but I think Bo Nix is very much a microcosm of the Gus Malzahn era. He is the quarterback who is the last holdover, like the the holdover from that era in terms of he's our guy, he's our quarterback, he's our you know prized uh, recruit, you know for Malzahn and in, in, in that spot, and. What's the thing that has eluded Knicks throughout his career? I think we saw it again on Saturday. It's consistency, right? He can make good plays. He can make good throws. Uh, Malzahn teams could have good performances, but it wouldn't be consistent. It was too up and down, too, too haywire. And I think that's the same thing we have saw with Knicks. I think we've seen this. You saw it at Penn State. Definitely saw it yesterday, and it was more bad than good against, Penn State, or against Georgia State yesterday. But... There was this push from Auburn fans and, you know, even more people who aren't just fans and people who have power and sway in these decisions that the inconsistency, they were tired of seeing it and they wanted to see something more, right? Yesterday in Shore State, it was like, all right, well, we've seen this from Bo. There was a a thing in the fan. I mean, the fans, some of the students were chanting for TJ Finley in the second quarter. And there were people online, uh, you know, like our friend AU nerd saying like we've, you know, he's, he laid it out. It's like, we've seen this from Bo and it usually doesn't get better. So I think you have to try TJ Finley at some point. And I, there was a big push for that. You got to have something more. You got to have something different. Now we don't know what the more or something different, if that's going to be definitively clearly better. Right. I think much like Brian Harson in the hire for Auburn, I think much like TJ Finley in the quarterback position for Auburn, there's no guarantee that this is definitely going to be better and more consistent. It could have the same up and down inconsistency things that you're trying to get away from, or with time and patience, it could end up working out and being the better decision. But that's the thought that kind of came to me during the game on Saturday is that I thought Malzahn's last quarterback is kind of a microcosm of the end of the Malzahn era. And it's like, okay, well, we don't know if Auburn's necessarily going to be better off 100%, at least in the short term, moving forward. 
without him. And Finley is not a guarantee. Um, you know, is not going to be if he's the guy moving forward. There's no guarantee he's going to be much more successful than Bo Nix. He could be. But I think the fact that he is something new and he is something different is something that a lot of Auburn fans are dying to see. Play TJ Finley. We'll circle back at the end of November. Yeah. What do you think? What do you think the reaction is going to be on Sat uh, on Saturday if Nixon is the guy? If he if is the guy, Nixon. if they start, yeah, him? if they start, if they start next, what do you think the reaction I'm gonna is? Going to log be off Twitter. It's going to be <laughs> insufferable. Yeah, and there's a, there's yeah. a chance. I mean, like I don't know. I don't oh, pretend yeah. to know what's going to happen, but there is a chance that they. Harson said it himself. Sometimes you want a spark, which means he's leaving that door open for him to go back to Knicks. Yeah. Uh, and they, for whatever reason, thought that he was the best quarterback during the spring and the fall when Finley got on campus. Very much a possibility that he will be your starter against LSU, but no one will be surprised if he's not. I think Finley should get a lot of credit, not only for leading Auburn on that late drive, but uh, he made a few plays for a guy who is not – Super mobile. He's not a runner. Uh, he escaped pressure and kept plays alive and looked downfield. Of course, the the game winner, but several other ones when he did his Mahomes impression where he was like parallel to the ground and made the throw. Um, you know, I don't know if those are plays or throws Nix makes if he's still in the game. Maybe, maybe not, right? Nix is better in two-minute situations. Uh, that type of offense kind of fits him. Um but it wasn't happening yesterday during that time. And so they gave Finley a chance to get into the game, move the ball a little bit, and he came up big when it mattered most. Um, so, I mean, that's that's the interesting thing. How much, you know, is, is, is TJ Finley ready to run this whole offense? You know, early on in, when he came into the game, it was very under center. We're going to hand the ball off. We're going to run it, kind of work it in there. Um uh, yeah, it's 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 a fascinating spot to be in because I think the newness. Everyone loves the newness, and everybody loves it's something. To, and it everybody might everybody it wants might. to think that they could have the Cardale Jones situation. Well, yeah, and QB two is the most popular player on campus at all times, right? And this is true for anybody, true for any coach and staff, and usually any any. I mean, dude, uh, they ended up pulling out the win last night. Oklahoma did, but there were Oklahoma fans chanting for the their backup on uh, on Saturday, and you know, they have Spencer Rattler, a guy that was the preseason Heisman favorite, and a guy that people thought was were gonna go, was gonna go number one overall, and it's obviously not clicked for them early on this season. Um, but yeah, I think that's just the thing, uh, and I, I I guess I'll keep going back to this is that you know if. If Finley was clearly the better option for Auburn at quarterback, he would have been that guy, right? He would have already been in that situation. So there were there were reasons why Nix was still staying in front, and this is not a coaching staff that's quote-unquote loyal to Bo Nix. But I think it was a situation on Saturday. It was like, all right, we got to try something different and see if it goes. They try something different, and uh, and as Harson said, like it wasn't pretty. They weren't perfect stats. But there's something to be said of going out and winning the game, right? There's something to be said of finding a way to get it done. And so I can sit here and say, well, you know, Auburn only averaged 0.75 more yards per play and 0.28 more yards per attempt with Finley in the game than Knicks. That's not this, like, massive turnaround. Um, but he did the most important stat, 
the one touchdown and the 1-0 <laughs> that Auburn can say that they have from this game. I and mean, that's that carries a ton of weight, obviously. I hope they play TJ. For Auburn moving forward, the real concern slash kind of encourage us, what the heck you're lo- what am I, what the heck am I looking at here? Is the fact that a team that was able to run the ball so effectively the first three weeks of the season, including Penn State, they played well against Penn State. The offensive line created some holes against Penn State. Tank Bigsby was bottled up most of this game. Jarquez Hunter had a couple of good runs um, and, and broke through a few times. Sean Shivers had a nice sweep. I'm interested to see if they're going to use more of that of Shivers in that role. We talked about it a little bit. But that kind of slot, move him around, do different things with him kind of thing helps. But this Georgia State run defense whooped up on Auburn. I mean, they won the line of scrimmage, and they got they got good pressure. I mean, this is the first time this year that Auburn statistically had a performance like this along the offensive line. And, again, does that go back to preparation and energy early on? I think it definitely does. Um, because, yes, this, this Auburn offensive line has been inconsistent, um, kind of like the offense as a whole the last couple of years. But whereas the defensive front, the defensive front established itself, started winning in the second half um, and setting the tone there, Auburn's offensive line still never really seemed to get out of first gear. I mean, like I said, the, the, the last play of the game or the last offensive play of the game for Auburn, there was a pressure. Somebody got home. TJ Finley had to make a play to, to, to make it happen. And it's like, okay. How the heck does that happen? How do you run? How do you run better and more effectively against Penn State away from home in the wideout than you do against Georgia State, right? How how do you how do you how does that happen, right? And so I think there's some of it that's talent. I think there's some of it that's that's you know consistency, execution, coaching, X, Y, and Z. I think some of it also is that it just looked like Auburn was not ready to go up front in this game, and they almost paid for it dearly. And that's something you cannot have because look, you got eight more, you got eight straight SEC games coming up, and you got some teams that are really good up front, including that back to back of Georgia and Arkansas coming up. LSU was good up front, obviously they're they're very very talented. It's just they they've got some consistency issues as well. But they got a win on the road, and and you can't take that away from them on Saturday. They might be able to write some of it against LSU, especially on the ground. UCLA certainly had no issue. Yeah, moving them, but maybe LSU will have improved by that point. I wouldn't bet on it. There's nothing to lead me to believe that this offensive line is going to be doing anything special over the next couple of weeks. The, the I mean, thing it's going to like it's going to be kind of fun watching Georgia rush Auburn. It's it's going to be it's going to be rough. I think that's I think that game definitely is going to be a rough one. Week one, everything was clicking for Auburn, and week two, slow start, everything clicks in the second half. Week four, I mean they they had some good drives and some good moments on the offensive line, but late, it's just this it's this focus. You know, it's one of those things. Everybody's locked in. You know, that, that week one game, it's a bad opponent, but it was a bad opponent in week two as well. Everything had been building up to that one game, right? That that was in months and months and months in the making, and the focus was there, and the execution was there, and the energy was there, and they got it and that hasn't happened since 
on a consistent basis, you know, for the for the last few weeks for Auburn and offensive line and elsewhere. So that's the thing is like ultimately that's a fixable issue, right? But it's telling that you are in that spot. It's it's telling that you're in that spot to begin with. And so for this Auburn offensive line, it's like, all right, you know, the goodwill you might have built up in the first, you know, few weeks of the season is gone now. And it is the, the, the challenges are only getting tougher uh, moving forward. If you look at it on Saturday for, you know, a positive outlook, uh, I thought Auburn's wide receivers, especially when Finley came in the game, did a better job of helping them out. There were some drops and there were some you know spots where it wasn't great, but and Kobe Hudson still is Auburn's most efficient receiver. I mean, the chance of don't give up on him off of one bad play. You know, I do think that you fumble in that situation as a young player, maybe under the last staff, you don't get those opportunities again. I mean, we've, we've seen, we've seen people get thrown in the doghouse for, for, for mistakes like that. But I mean, he was five of six on his targets for 72 yards. Chetra Jackson bouncing back and catching the game winner. Um, Running game didn't have anything really going. Here, here's a stat that caught my eye. Over half of Auburn's 35 rushing attempts at Georgia State were stopped for two or fewer yards. They still had six explosive carries in the game, so it was kind of a boom or bust type of performance. Um, and then, as we said, with the nerd stats and the observations, uh, Auburn's e- uh, EPA expected points added in this game was a negative 0.82, which means... Yeah, they played just as not good as you as you would expect. This was a bad game from Auburn, and they still won. But they won because Georgia State had two big mistakes: the block punt touchdown, and then the pick six. Auburn obviously getting the the, the fourth down play and and executing better uh, when it mattered the most. Um, but yeah, wow. I mean, it is you, you can't take it away. Auburn played a bad football game, and I said it on. I said it at halftime on Saturday. This probably was the worst half of football I've seen Auburn play, especially when you consider who they were playing against since 2012. I think, I think you even say there were moments of the Jacksonville State game that looked better. I mean, they just looked ugly, rough, and they're very fortunate to come out of here with a win. But you know, it does not take away the fact that it, it still happened. And so moving forward for Auburn, especially on the offensive side, is the question is this. Did you look this bad because you were not ready to play and you were not fully prepared and you were not playing to – you did not give the effort and the energy that you needed to? Or is it that you have real, real problems that are going to only become more defined and sharpened when the guys on the other side are four and five stars as well? I mean, it's probably both, isn't it? I think Auburn wasn't – prepared so, like i said at the i think beginning, i think auburn kinda, was kinda not ready for this game uh but, but i they've do got think, issues yeah i think that it's gonna get rough here yeah and i and i think i think it could definitely like we've seen auburn bounce back from really bad performances before right one game does not define their season one game does not define the next game especially in college football but it is a real challenge because this is year one and uh you know, the SEC West is better than it normally is, too. I mean, Auburn almost lost yes. to Arkansas at Ole Miss last year, and I don't both know how they're, I don't know how they're going to beat those teams this better. year. Yeah, it's the both of those teams are significantly better. Um, 
so yeah, I mean, there's plenty of time to prove people wrong. There's plenty of time to bounce back and, and change things, but they've got to figure it out. And and week one or month one of the season, you still don't know who your quarterback is going to be moving forward. And you're still looking for the best. I mean, they played every running back. They played every wide receiver. And as Harson said after the game, they were just trying to find which combination works. And they're still looking for it. Now, I think some of that is year one new system runway, right? That that Some of that is to be expected. But you're not clicking like a well-oiled machine um, at all right now on offense. And then on defense, let's get to defense. No Zacobi McClain in the, in the first half. Very cool. Obviously. Very good rule. Right. Absolutely love punishing players. It's awesome. Georgia State bust runs of 58 and 50 yards in the first half. Um, they run, I mean, they only almost put up 300 yards of offense. I mean, I think it's pretty safe to half. say that they, they wouldn't have had Owen, so that's a bummer. But, like, if Zacoby is in, I, I think some of those big runs are probably minimized. Probably. I don't think you have as big of bust in your run fits when you have a guy like Zacoby out there. Right? So, you know, that, that call against Penn State did hurt Auburn in more than one way. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it's like I I still need Auburn's backups to be better than that against that like this team. Yeah, there's a lot of work to do with your quality depth. And I think Chandler Wooten who had 12 tackles in the game and, and, and played played hard throughout. I think he obviously looks better when he's next to one of the best tacklers in college football instead of having to be the guy and having a young guy like – and like Wesley Steiner's got the athleticism and and a lot of the makeup, and a lot of people were high on him in the offseason. A lot of his teammates were. That, I mean, it's not like he's, you know, he's a lost cause by any means. This is This is – you know, a rough game that he's going to be hard on himself. Like Wooten said, he's going to bounce back. Um, but I think, yeah, I think some of those big plays are taken away. However, on a play-to-play basis, Georgia State was still getting push up front. Auburn was having a hard time getting any pressure that did not come from defensive backs blitzing. Now, that worked its way through in the second half. And then again, like, this is a Georgia State team that does not throw the ball uh, particularly well. Guys were getting open in coverage. I mean, the two passing touchdowns Georgia State had, those guys were wide open. Uh, the first one, I mean, it was egregious. Nobody, nobody was in a, nobody was in a, a mile of the guy when he caught the when he caught the pass. And in the second half, McLean's out there. The defensive line plays better, gets some push. Hey, Ekuliota, shout out to him. Um, I, I kept thinking that he might be the guy to kind of spring it forward for Auburn in that pass rush. He made some big plays. Auburn comes out in the second half. Georgia State gets one really sustained drive and then punts from like plus 37, which, I mean, Sean Elliott, I thought, I think Georgia State, credit needs to go to Georgia State, by the way. They they had a really good game plan on both sides of the ball. They executed it well. They played hard. You know, this was not a team that just rolled over. Okay, that, that, there's credit that should go there. And, and I think they did a really good job in a lot of areas. But, man... I don't care. It's fourth and whatever. You're in plus. Ter- you're deep. Well, you're a twenty-seven ter- point underdog. What go for it. Do you have to lose? Coaches should go for it on fourth down, regardless of whether or not they're underdogs. But in this situation, in given situa- the context, in that, in what are you doing? Field. That part of the field, you do it. You do it. And so they get that sustained drive, and they punt, and then from then on, it's just Auburn. Four straight three and outs for the from the Auburn defense. They're getting pressure. 
Uh, they're they're run stopping. They're playing with a lot of energy. They're playing with a lot of fire. A big turnaround because in the first half they didn't have that. They didn't have that kind of energy on there. And that like, if that's a switch you can flip on and off, right? You better flip that 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 switch better stay on moving forward, right? That's that's easier said than done. But like you can't just sit there and say, well, that's Georgia State. Like keep that switch on and keep it going. The guys said after the game we were not playing to our standard. We were not playing with the energy we needed to. All right, well, that the leeway almost cost you, and it's over now um, for, for Auburn. So it, I think the run, the run support, I mean, look at the, the second half of this game uh, for, for Auburn's defense. Georgia State averaged 2.1 yards per carry in the second half, 48 yards on 23 touches after one dude was just kind of running away with it um, for them. Georgia State really not interested in passing the ball that much in the second half because they're trying to preserve the clock and are trying to work the clock. And, um, you know, running is definitely that little option-ish attack that, that they run is, is a little trickier. And they want to they wanna rely on that. That has kind of been the key to them bouncing back this season. And Auburn did a good job. And it was telling after the game. It was like pretty much everybody said they talked about some adjustments and some tweaks, but I, I think it was Colby Wooden who said it's like we were just flying around doing our assignments. Coach Mason came in and said that when we won the game that he didn't change a single call. We just executed better in the second half. We got down, hurried up, and play fo- played football. So the so the issues of like coverage, playing more man, playing more tight man. There was some press man ish stuff up top at certain points in the game, uh, and especially in the second half. Um. But the calls weren't different. It wasn't like Auburn radically changed anything that they were doing. It wasn't like they were blitzing a lot more. They were just playing better football. And we're going to see if the results papered over some of the cracks or, you know, this is going to be something that's going to be addressed and, 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 and put on moving forward because it goes back to what Hartson says. Everybody's got to do a better job, including the coaches. And like Hartson said it himself, like when you talk about execution and discipline, he was like, that's on me as a head coach. I gotta, I gotta do a better job of, of instilling that, and that we prepare like we, like we, you know, want to want to play. Um, the quote there from Harson, you know, <laughs> it's like the storyline is get better. Uh, you know, get better, have yourself ready, prepare yourself. It's a lot of, it's a lot of stuff where it's like, hey, you got to be better, and that's easier said than done because. Uh, like I wrote on on Sunday, the, there are a lot of guys in key in key roles for Auburn who have never been through a, a, a schedule quite like this coming up, um, with the newcomers and, and the new starters, and most of the staff hasn't been through that either, and so, yeah, it better it, it better take that step forward because it is it is only getting tougher from here. So uh, that that defense, the second half defensive effort, the response after being chapped. You know, challenge it the way that they did. That's a whole lot better than the alternative, and it, it helped you. I mean, it won you the game. It, you pitched a shutout in the second half, and you, and you even scored yourself on defense. But as Harson said, the storyline is get better, and for defense, it's got it's got to be get more consistent. Figure figure it, figure it out in the in the in the secondary and your pass coverage, so you don't bust nearly as much and leave guys wide open. 
and then bring that fire and that intensity and that and then no matter if it's Dakota McLean or Owen Papo or who else is out there, you got to play like that all, all game um, because, again, I mean, I, the best-case scenario for Auburn, I think, moving forward is just this was a case of, you know, not being 100% plugged in, locked in, fired up because it was Georgia State. That's your best case scenario. It's not a good thing by any means. That's not a that's not a good sign, and that's something that will keep coaches up at night. But that's your best case scenario because the alternative is is ooh, you you're a, you're way too inconsistent on that side of the ball, and obviously offense as well. My untrained eyes tell me that Auburn doesn't have an effective pass rush, and that its defensive backs are uncomfortable with what they're doing in coverage right yeah. now. Yeah, and that can change. That can get better, especially from the se- the secondary standpoint. Um, I, you know, somebody asked in the mailbag on Friday, like, what's the biggest problem moving forward? I said, you know, pass rush was an issue last year, and it just hasn't gotten better, right? Um, some guys were getting to it, and, and they were a little bit more effective there in the second half. I think but- they had three sacks and three hurries, which is – I mean, they're playing Georgia State. Yeah. You should be eating. Should be padding. Well, you, know, you should be padding your stats in this game, like you did with Akron, like you did, like you did with Akron in Game One, which you didn't do as well as a Game Two against Alabama State. Um, special teams. I said after the Alabama State game that I thought Auburn special teams could win them some games if they kept playing like that. Well, here's your game two weeks later where they won them. Uh, Harson said it afterwards. Special teams were huge in the game. In this game. The biggest thing that, as far as momentum goes, Honors Carlson, uh, four or five on field goals. He misses a rare forty-yarder, but four or five. He, he was he was Auburn scoring offense uh, in the entire first half, and then the comeback started late in the uh, in the third quarter. Kalen Newton um, busting through, getting a block. Barton Lester landing on it in the end zone. Barton Lester. It's just a magnet on these plays, I guess, because uh, he has landed on it, uh, landed on it last year for the uh, block punt touchdown. There's something to be said for those guys on special teams doing their jobs and doing it at a really, really high level, uh, and they did that. Uh, they did that, and and shout out to Kalen Newton. He had that drop earlier in the year. Uh, he has been working in the rotation at wide receiver, although he has not been targeted much. Um, but to be the uh, to be the younger brother of Cam Newton and to be in that situation at Auburn, I mean, credit to him. I mean, that's a that's a really cool moment and a really cool story in a game that had a lot of frustration for Auburn. I think uh, you know I think I think Auburn fans can be happy to see a story like that come come about. I don't know what else to add on the special teams note other than the obvious, which is that they simply don't win the game without Anders Carlson and the. Blocked punt. I mean, Auburn couldn't generate any points offensively until that final touchdown from Finley. So, uh, it's Pritch- pretty, pretty, uh, pretty on the nose of me to point that out. Nehemiah Pritchett had a 72-yard kick return early that set up a scoring drive. Does Auburn get those three points without it? Probably not because the offense was stalling out. Javarius Johnson had a couple of decent returns. There was a penalty on one of them. Um, he had that muff late that whew, that would have been real rough uh, for Auburn. Um, but like that's the thing. It's like every little bit helps from your special teams when you're still trying to figure things out on offense. And I mean, it helped them win games. I think that's going to continue to be a thing moving forward. How many close games Auburn's in from here on out, whether it's LSU, whether it's Mississippi State or South Carolina, or in these good these big games against really good teams that they have for the rest of the way, 
special teams is going to be important. This has been a priority um, for th- this coaching staff, and, and it made it happen. And, again, shout-out to Kalen Newton uh, for, for that play. Um, to be a dude that that is known for his hard work on a team full of Division One athletes, it's, and I think Kalen – it's a really cool story because, I mean, the dude could have gone anywhere. He probably could have had a chance to play quarterback somewhere else. Um, and yet he chose his older brother's team, you know. He chose his older brother's brother's team and, um, you know, is making impacts, you know, even though he's not the uh, star of the show like he was at Howard. So a lot of credit to, a lot of credit to him. Glad we had him on this one. 100%. All right, we will come back here with uh, some final thoughts on the game and kind of spin it forward to what we see next, Auburn and LSU. Uh, but before we do so, we got some business to take care of. Painter, tell the folks at home how they can help us out here at the Auburn Observer uh, through our podcast. Rate, they are listening to review, right subscribe, rate, review, subscribe, rate, review, subscribe so if you are listening to this podcast and you are not subscribed to the auburn observer and you would like to be auburnobserver.com is the easiest way to get in six dollars a month sixty dollars a year you get a bonus podcast once a week so you get twice as much of this uh and the bonus podcast during football season is our preview podcast and so we will uh, be previewing the lsu game i think we're going to try to get up with our buddy brody miller uh, from the athletic to talk uh the bayou Bengals and tj finley and all that good stuff moving forward so you're going to want to check that out uh and then we'll have some more guests coming on here these next few weeks as you know, auburn gets into the meat of sec play and uh some of our friends uh uh will be gracious with their time and, and help us out um but rating and reviewing and subscribing if you aren't in a position financially or if you just want to continue to enjoy the free stuff, I get it. I completely understand that. Um, that that really helps us out a lot. So on Apple Podcast, search the Auburn Observer, however way you get to the page. Uh, scroll on down to ratings and reviews. Give us five stars. Say something nice about Painter in the comments. Uh, and it does help us out a lot. It really it really does. That is a easy, quick, free way to make sure that uh, you support what we've got going on here. And uh, we, may, we we really, really appreciate all of that, all the feedback we get. Painter, we've got a couple more reviews to uh, to read. I want to I wanna pipe you up a little bit. I want to you know, kind of give you a pump up. You've been down today. You've been – I mean, it makes sense. It makes sense. The result – I mean, you had the battle with the fly too. This is from WLBATL. It says, in coach speak, it's multiple. Informed, well-presented, thoughtful, thorough, and most importantly, fun. As in Painter, a superb team. Check it out. Thank you. I think that's, I think that's what we want to hit. And, and these podcasts aren't quite as fun, um, you know, at least for Painter. Uh, Misery loves company. So for all of you miserable people out there today, I'm right there with you. Uh, this is from, it looks like Juan J. Weibels. I don't know how to pronounce that. Sorry, Juan. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, this is a long one. I'm going to, I'm going to, we appreciate all the nice words, Juan, but I'm going to try to skim this as much as I can. Uh, Juan was a listener to the, uh, to the lunch break, uh, and the format and analysis has only approved with time. 
They bring great insights for AU football and basketball and do so in the way that's entertaining, but spares the listener from artificial debates and editorializing. Yeah, I mean, you should hear out when Painter and I have real debates, not artificial ones. We uh, we go at it, folks. Um, those are the, the, those those happen off mic. Uh, I finally bit the bullet and signed up for a premium subscription. It's worth every penny. Uh, the game preview episodes are must listen. Uh, wish we could get a little baseball coverage when it's in season, but that's my only complaint. Hey, I get it. You're not the only one. I'm just I'm gonna be. Very honest with you, you do not want me covering Auburn baseball because that's not my forte. Um, and there's some great guys on the beat who do cover it. Yes, but uh, you know, football and basketball is where we're going to be going from here. Um, so, but appreciate. By the way, basketball practices start this week. Might have a little bit. Of, might have a little bit of content. A little, little, uh, little, little basketball content moving forward. Bruce, we need uh, you now more than ever, buddy. Uh, Painter's dulcet tones are not only. The icing on the cake. They're the requisite icing inside the cake and the spongy cake stuff itself. Pa- basically, Painter is the whole cake. Well, thank you, Juan. I'm caked and, up. Uh, <laughs> thank you for uh, for supporting. And yeah, rating, review, and subscribing like that. We're vain people, so we'll read them. Uh, but we do really appreciate it. All the kind words. Got got a lot of them here these last few weeks. And uh, you, guys, you guys make this all happen. Uh, this is all you. It's all your support. It's all your subscription money, and it's all your listens and your downloads and your reviews and subscribes. Without y'all, this doesn't exist. You know, we're not being we're not we're not being funded by anybody else, and uh, that's the way we like it. That's how we want to do it, baby. Independent journalism, or whatever this is called, uh, forever. All right. Speaking of taking money from people, let's talk about our friends at Homefield Apparel. Homefieldapparel.com. Big news Saturday just wrapped up. Season two, um, interesting week for Big News Saturday. They uh, they had a really good finish with USC, big program, a lot of stuff going on there with USC, and then USC got their doors blown off last night by Oregon State. That's going to be a fascinating uh, team and program and coaching search moving forward. But homefieldapparel.com. If you don't know them by now, folks, they've been one of our closest friends. They've been with us since day one. And uh, we are we are proud to be uh, proud to be slinging their shirts and and, and sweatshirts once again on these radio and fall, internet radio baby. airways. Fall is, is uh, I mean, come on, get yourself a sweatshirt, get yourself a hoodie. They're comfy. The fits are great. The looks are awesome. Come on. So what do you do? The temps the temps around here dropped a little bit last week. A little cool weather again. I think they're going back up a little bit this week. But look, man, it's hoodie it's hoodie weather coming up, right? It's hoodie. Plus short season, which in my opinion is the best season of the year. You get that in the fall. You get that some of that in the spring as well. And you're going to want to check it out. If there is a if there is a team that is important to you, a college that is important to you, chances are that they are at home field apparel. And that includes your fighting Auburn Tigers. I mean, lots of great shirts, lots of awesome hoodies. I will say it. You know, I'm biased. I, I, I love home field shirts. They're the most comfortable T-shirts money can buy. But let me tell you. The hoodies, next level. The hoodies are the way way to go, especially this time of year. Um, for Auburn hoodies, they've got one with, if you've ever seen Painter's uh, uh, profile picture on Twitter of the side-eye Aubie, you can get that on a, on a hoodie. You can get a, a, you know several vintage logos on a hoodie. you got the you got a, a nice navy one with the AU. you got the Flying Eagle logo. 
on a hoodie. Maybe you don't want a hood. Maybe you just want a, a, a sweatshirt. You want to go painter style and you want to do the crew neck sweatshirt. You know, that's not my style. I can't pull that off. I look weird. But if you're, if you're more painter's vibes, you can go with that. And there's Audrey a, there's was a lot absolutely of, stunned that I had the audacity to wear the outfit that I wore in Penn State. And it was I th- hot. I thought that you were... Uh, your response uh, it was, the to temperature her. was hot not not that you were hot but oh I mean, no no you, I, you, you, you I, might was, been, yeah. I was i you was know, yeah i'll yeah i can save that i'll save that for later go ahead uh just uh you know home field's got you got you covered that's really all i can say about these matters uh crew necks uh for for auburn the most popular design they have on their entire site for auburn is the dunking obby where i say he's doing the vince carter he's putting his whole arm through the rim he's got the sailor hat it's on a beautiful and comfortable navy crew neck sweatshirt. Uh, there's a lot of other good ones uh, on there as well. There's a really dope Auburn basketball shirt uh, that's got the original Aubie on it. Some some nice orange ones as well. The orange ones is, is a pretty the orange ones are a pretty cool color. But yeah, homefieldapparel.com. Uh, you're gonna want the most comfortable collegiate apparel you can find, not just for Auburn, but any other school that interests you or any other logo that interests you. I'm a man who owns multiple pieces of the University of Hawaii Rainbow stuff from Homefield, and I am not ashamed of it. Um, go to homefieldapparel.com. Uh, if you want 15% off your first order, type in the promo code Observer. We'll hook you up there. Uh, and they have free shipping on all orders over $70. So stack up for the for the fall and the winter. And uh, yeah, go to home, go to Homefield and get it done. We appreciate Homefield. For helping us out and uh i mean do you a, like comfy a, clothes or not yeah being a dear friend of being a dear friend of our, our production um also want to shout out a couple more folks number one our friends over at the war report check them out on youtube a lot of big stuff coming on with them they have been pumping out a ton of content uh discussions analysis they do a post game show don't they Mm-hmm. They do so live if, if you're if you're like me and you were unhappy or needed a place to go to be with your community, War Report is a great place, and you might you might just need that next weekend. You're certainly going to need it in two weekends. Also, want to shout out our friends over at the Opelika Auburn News. I crashed their podcast again uh, this this past weekend, uh, but shout How out our OA sweet now. boys doing. Our sweet boys are doing well. Uh, Lee was. A lot more tempered than I thought he was going to be after this game. Um, and some really good analysis and insight from him. A really good column up there. Jordan Hill locking it down with the coverage. Jake Weiss. Jake, you got to do better. You know it, buddy. Um, but <laughs> oanow.com. Check those guys out. Uh, and uh, sometimes you'll see me write some words in there. So I wanted to shout them out as well. Also did AP. This How weekend, was being on a deadline? How was that? Oh, for that game, it was... I was going through it, man. So I have to. I had two stories written. So little. This is way too inside baseball here. But I have. You know, when you write an AP gamer like this, when you're stringing. And uh, shout out to shout out to my uh, beat dad, John Zener, uh, from the Associated Press, who covers Auburn, Alabama. Uh, here, uh, he was in Alabama covering their game because they're the higher ranked team, and so. When you write it, as soon as the game goes final, you have to have a story in because they have to start putting it out on the wire, right? And my story, so uh, so my story, I was I wrote a Georgia State wins and an Auburn comes back and wins story, 
and I was working on both of them throughout the second half. And so I had two emails, like two email tabs popped up where I'm just writing two different stories. So there is, I don't think it's in my drafts anymore, but there is a version of the Auburn loses this game. Oh my gosh, Georgia State pulls off the win uh, out there. But stressful, very stressful. Um, but yeah, if you want a quick recap, you can check that out wherever words are sold, basically. Um, the uh, the AP wire recap of, of, of Auburn, Georgia State. So yeah. Uh, as we said, uh, we are going to preview LSU later this week, uh, the preview podcast, which are always a lot of fun. We'll try to get our buddy Brody uh, in the mix. Our Midwestern uh, Prince. Our Midwestern Prince, our New Orleans uh, God. king. Yeah. Um, and then but, a special guest, I think, the following week. I know that I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but uh, yep. I, like what, mm-hmm. I like what we're doing in terms of preview podcast over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, and you're going to want to be a part of that. Like I said, $6 a month, $60 a year is the only way to get access to the premium content, um, including the film room on Monday, which is going to be an adventure trying to figure out what that, that that's going to look like. What are you going uh, to do for that? I'm thinking offense. I'm thinking offense more than defense because at least the defense bounced back in the second half. But we'll see. <laughs> we will see. Um. Look, moving ahead for Auburn, I, I'm trying to I'm trying to say it as much as I can. One game does not define your future, uh, but it can tell you a lot about what that future looks like. And for Auburn, where they go from here is going to be very very important. Um, they have a lot of work to do. It is year one; you're learning the new systems, but you also have some some returning stuff. I mean, this team has talent. They have a Tank Bigsby. They have Roger McCreary. They have Owen Papo. They have Zacoby McClain. They have Colby Wood. They have some really, really good players that can win them some games. This is still a very talented football team. But there are issues with this team that need to be worked out pretty quickly. And I think the big thing we're about to see moving forward is how much of this Georgia State game was playing down, or in this case, not playing up to (laughs) – (laughs) <laughs> the competition because you know that's not going to be I I do not see that being an issue at LSU I think being in that environment in that spot is going to wake you up and if you get beat you get beat um I don't think you kind of lays around in that game you you get off I mean that's my that's that's my whole take on it but we've seen Auburn bounce back from really bad performances before but it's just one of these like weird you know, almost disaster losses like this. These are usually tough ones to come back from. They just are. And so what does Auburn do from here? Where do they go from here is the major question. And look, I think it's college football. I think it's Auburn football. It wouldn't surprise me at all if they beat LSU next week. But it's going to take a, a lot better effort than, than what we saw on Saturday, and I think everyone who's involved with Auburn football knows that. And it's it's one of those things where everybody can get better, right? I think you're in a spot with Auburn right now where you can't say, well, you look at a unit on their team or you look at a particular area on their team and say, you know what, this is hopeless. They cannot get any better. This is going to be the reason why they lose X number of games moving forward. That's not what Auburn's in right now. So I don't know. 
I think it's dependent on your perspective if it's better or worse than saying like, well, it's not one particular big thing, but it's everything needs to get better and grow as you're in year one of a, of, of a new regime. I don't know if that's better or worse. I don't know. What do you think? I think Brian Harson's got a short leash. I don't know how they're going to turn this season around, but. Wow, this is the most pessimistic I think you've I've ever seen you. Honestly, I, I really do. I, I, I don't know if I've ever seen you quite like this. That 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 fly did a number on you. Yeah, he got me good. He got me good. Uh yeah. Good luck. Good luck. It's gonna be a rough season, I think. All right, expound on that a little bit more. I mean, just a, a rough season. Like what what about it do you, does it make you think like, okay, they're not gonna get much better than this and it's going to be a grind to to get whatever you can get in sec play like what we have ineffective line play on both sides of the ball the quarterback situation is obviously frustrating regardless of what camp you fall into you know Mm -hmm. we're two years and a quarter into his career and he's still doing a lot of the same things yeah i mean we're in his third season here so uh, oh, I was saying it's a th- we're a third into his uh, yeah, season, but yeah. yes, um, math. <laughs> the thing I keep thinking about was how important year one was for Harson because mm-hmm. I didn't think that a lot of the people who normally sign off on these decisions were very happy with what happened in his hiring, and so the first sign of trouble, I think those same people will be happy to get the ball rolling on a move and I don't know how this team given what it loses on the defensive side of the ball is mm-hmm. going to be better the offensive line you think to yourself well the bar is pretty low right now they're, they're going to have to replace what everyone on the offensive line just about Keandre Jones except for, comes back except for Keandre Jones probably yeah and I mean those guys could come back for a COVID year but we'll see how many of them take up take them up on that offer so I just I don't know where the you know this jump from year one to year two is happening. I felt like if anything, if Harson could come in and steal a couple games, get to eight or nine wins, and then they take mm-hmm. probably a step back, have some regression next year. Well, that's okay. You overachieved a little bit in year one. You were probably due for a setback in year two. Then it all comes down to that big year three. I don't. I, there's just some issues with Auburn's with multiple units on this team where it's like I don't understand what is going to happen that makes you think that they can improve in any meaningful way against mm-hmm. teams like Georgia, Ole Miss, Arkansas, Alabama. I mean, TBD on A&M, they look dreadful also. A&M fans have a right to be furious. Um, they it's extended the quarterback that. situation, yeah. They extended that man. No one was asking for that. I think so they were it, afraid that LSU was going to come calling. And they still might. I mean, aren't I don't whatever LSU do you? <laughs> Please um, hire him. I think for more of if you want to go with more of the optimistic view, I get to be the homer here. Um, <laughs> I look at this Auburn team and I, and I see I see moments in the first few games, including moments against uh, Penn State, um, where if you see that team play more consistently. Auburn could still have a, a fine year one under Brian Harson. Um, I think a lot of what happened yesterday was not being prepared and not and not being ready to roll. And 
I don't think that's going to be quite as much of an issue, A, anymore, and B, in, in SEC play. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the, the quarterback, quarterback situation is the most important spot on the field. Um, if T.J. Finley is the guy moving forward for Auburn, uh, what he can do differently, I think some of the flashes we saw on, on Saturday were good. Uh, but you have to – you're going to have to bring more for Auburn to be in that spot. The offensive line has got to – they got to figure out a way how to look like the offensive line from week one, week two, and week three, especially in run run blocking because Tank Bigsby's awesome, Jarquez Hunter's really good, and Sean Chivers gives you gives you some some big playability um, in that rotation, and you can keep those guys fresh. Uh, but if you don't block for them, those those guys can be bottled up. Uh, the pass rush is one of those things where I'm still like they've got to find the secret secret sauce somehow. I Maybe just don't think that personnel. there is one, man. Yeah, yeah. They can't. They like. I think that they're fine running defense again. So they deserve some credit there. I'm not just trying to crap all over these kids, but they cannot yes. rush the passer. And I don't understand what is going to change after a month of football. I mean, maybe you can scheme a little bit different, but ultimately at this point we have what we have in terms of personnel. And unfortunately, I just don't think that their skill set lends them to pass rushing consistently and like i'm just going to keep saying the same things like if they can't do it against georgia state what are they going to do against arkansas and georgia and that's the one where it's like it's been the longest recurring issue for auburn this dates back to last year like rushing with four wasn't quite as effective last season as it should have been and they had a hard time getting off the field off of that off of that because of it but yeah i mean i think Outside of week one against Akron, the pass rush has not been getting home nearly as effectively. And so week one looks more like the anomaly than, than you know, the start of something different. Um, and I think the I still think the coverage can, can improve and get better. That is one area that I'm actually yeah. kind of like maybe they can tighten things up with more. It's just those busts, man. Like you, you just – they're busted. They're giving up these plays not because of talent. They're giving up these plays because guys are running free, right? It's not like – oh, I can't cover the Georgia State receiver. It's like, no, I was supposed to, or that guy was supposed to, or whatever, and we weren't on the same page, and he and he was going free, right? And so that can get better and improve, and you can change things up in the secondary, and you can do things differently. I I, I tend to believe all of that can, can get better. But how much better? How quickly? I mean, because it's still Ole Miss. Ole Miss doesn't care if you're good in the secondary or not. They – they can set you on fire, and Georgia's got a really efficient offense early on this year, and they've got – I mean, teams got some weapons. Arkansas's got some weapons too, especially with the way they, they handle things up front. So, yeah, I, I think uh, I think this is a game for Auburn where they learned a lot of – I guess to, for a positive thing at the end, it's cliche and whatever, but, like, there's something to be said of actually going and getting the win, right? Like – they did oh, the, imagine how the, infinitely worse this conversation is if they lose. Oh, right. You know, and, like and, this and, sucks because it was an it was like oh boy we could be in for a long a long year. But like, how much worse would it be also if ten years from now we were still talking about the time that Auburn lost to Georgia State and went six and six? Right. Right. Exactly. And so something has to be said of Auburn for not giving up for the defense keeping them in the game, for special teams making the plays they needed to, and the offense. Like, think about it this way. The offense was in the second toughest possible position to be in. 98 yards. 
there's only one more yard they could have <laughs> they could have not had to start that drive in field position. And they scored and they won and they got the pick six and they sealed the win. Right? Okay, got it. How much of that, how much of this game was not being ready, not being prepared, playing down, whatever you want to call it? And how much of it is that this team has issues that they've got to sort out and they don't have very much time to sort it out left, right? I think the truth is somewhere in the middle. Um, I also think this is a very unpredictable game played by 18 to 22-year-olds. And that can't be overstated enough. This is a college football year where there's a lot of weird stuff happening. There's a lot of inconsistency across the board. So, if you want to be in the pessimistic camp, you got plenty of reasons to be pessimistic. If you want to join be in the me. optimistic camp, <laughs> if you want to be in the optimistic camp and and try to find things moving forward, I think you can still do that. I mean, I will um, say well, we've we've said this before. Like, if it really, you know, I'm bummed out, but like, I'm going to keep watching. Yeah. You know, but if it bothers right. you that much, you should just stop. Oh, it's yeah. not worth you should it. Go, you it's should go find your it. fly. Yeah, go find your fly. Find and, an excuse. Do something else. Pick up a hobby. Like whatever it is. Go outside. Um, you know, like I will continue to watch for now because it's not driving me completely insane. But we're getting there. I hope, we're getting you, close. I, hope you, I hope you continue to watch. Period, because like it's going to be weird trying to talk to you about a game you didn't watch. We could do a bit where I just have to guess what happens. Yeah, I, the way I, I did it. The way I did it yesterday was fine. I had it playing on my laptop so I could hear the commentators. I would mosey over yeah. there. Uh, Lord have mercy. Um, team's got a- some work to do. I have a good friend of mine who texted me last night. We went to Auburn together, and they were like, uh, I didn't watch the game. I thought, you know, had it had it in their mind that this was the this was LSU week, so it was going to be later, and so they were doing something earlier in the day. And it was like, well, what did I miss? And I was like, well. <laughs> like, like, how do you start trying to explain that game to somebody? And it was like. It was an well, exciting like, game, which – is problematic in itself. Said, Auburn didn't uh, want an exciting game. We wanted something boring. Said uh, they almost lost. It's like to Georgia State. It's like, yeah, yeah. It, it came down to the last possible play to uh, pull it off. And two southeastern Titans battling it out in Jordan Hare Stadium. Two two classic Georgia-based teams just battling out for state supremacy. That's that, that, that's what happens there. I did All listen right. to a lot of ABBA last night too, so that that made me feel better. Okay. All right. That'll that'll do something. Not I a big fan of they, ABBA, huh? Not really. I guess that means the outro is going to be ABBA now. Hadn't thought about it, but it seems appropriate. Probably seems appropriate. Just do whatever makes you feel happy there, I guess. All right. Uh, that'll wrap it up. Appreciate you guys listening. Uh, we went long on this one, but there was a lot to discuss. Go Bills. Fi- Film, film room out on Monday. Newsletters throughout the week, Tuesday, Wednesday. We might throw a basketball one in there. So I mean, it is LSU week. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, preview podcast later in the week. Hopefully with our friend Brody. We've like booked Brody and without telling him. So um, pressure's on, buddy. Uh, mailbag on Friday, and then a very very late night in Baton Rouge coming up on Saturday night. You're gonna for, get done at four a.m. I am already just like I don't know how I'm gonna do film room next week. I really don't. I no idea, no idea. It's gonna be it's gonna be torturous. Appreciate everybody listening. Uh, appreciate everybody for reading, subscribing, 
tweeting, following, having fun with us, having not a ton of fun with us in certain situations. Uh, but again, we, we say it every week because we mean it every week. You guys are the reason that this all is a thing. And we cannot thank you enough for it moving forward. Um, we're in it now. This is this is fully uh, we're fully in year two. Let's keep this thing going, and let's see what let's see what this looks like in terms of the Auburn football program uh, for uh, for uh, all of us to observe. Painter, final thoughts before you switch it to Abba. Gimme, gimme, gimme. <laughs> <laughs>